Now I'll can meet you right. No, not right now. Okay. Um, participants and mute all. Okay, now we're mute, but we have the ability to unmute ourselves. So here we are. We are holding in Malachim Bays, Perik Vav. We're in the middle of the Perik. We're holding by Perik Vav, Pasuk Ches. Is that correct? No, no, I'm sorry. We, we, already, we got further than that. We're holding... Right, Perik Vav, Pasuk Chav Dalit. The enemies became blinded in the Exactly, field. exactly, exactly. We're in the middle of going through the various nisim, the various miracles that were performed by Elisha Hanavi, right? We, um, we had a few parakim, we talked about Eliyahu Hanavi, then we talked about his Talmud Elisha, who took, takes over after Eliyahu goes to heaven. Um, and Elisha has that re- tremendous interesting request that he should have pishnayim berucho, that he should have doubled the spirit of Eliyahu, and Hashem grants that request. And that's really what's playing itself out over here as we see miracle after miracle that, Amir, that Elisha is performing, even though, as we'll remember, the nation is not very deserving at this time. The king of, of the, this is all in the area of the ten tribes or the ten Shvatim. The king is Yehoram, son of Achav. Achav was this terrible, terrible Russia, Achav and his wife Izevel. Their son Yehoram is going in their ways. He's also an Eved Avidazara, idolatrous, and the nation, and the majority seems to be idolatrous. But nevertheless, we had these two grand Nevi'im and this beautiful period of uh, Elio and Elisha and the Nisan that they perform. Um, but as we're going to see, tonight things are going to change and get much worse after we finish with, with the miracles of Elisha. But for now, we're still there. So, again, Perik, of, uh, Perik Vav, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Perik Vav, Pasik Chav Dalek. So at this point, the Navi says that Hadad, the king of Aram, Right? Aram is a neighboring kingdom of the Jewish people. And Hadad gathers all of his machen, all of his people, and they sage a great siege on, this, on the cities of the Shomron. Shomron is, is, the, uh, is the place where the king of the ten tribes right now is leading the Jewish people from. And that's where the majority of the Aseris Hashvatim are. And, and uh, the, again, the, uh, the king of Aram surrounds them with a tremendous uh, army, and a tremendous, a terrible famine ensues. Um, as we're going to see, it's a famine that's going to last for a number of years. But at the beginning of the famine, there's a period when things are so expensive and there's no, there's no food to be found, found whatsoever to the extent it says that just to find the head of a, to pay for the head of a donkey, just have the, the trafe meat from the head of a donkey, it cost uh, 80 silver pieces and uh, other, you know, exorbitant things, you know. Um, a terrible famine, terrible, terrible, terrible famine. The Pasuk says, how far did the famine reach? It says, at one time, the Melech Yisrael, the king of the Jewish people, which again is Yehoram, son of Achav, is walking on the, uh, on, the, on the gates of the city. And a woman cries out to him and says, help me, my king. And he thinks that she's being helped. You know, they have no food. He says, what can I help you? God didn't give us any food. There's no food. There's a famine. But she says, no, it's a lot worse than that. He says, I talked with my friend and we decided that we were going to uh, consume our children to, to remain alive. And we made up that last night she would give me her, we would share her child, I'm sorry, my child and tonight her child and now she's not keeping to her side of the deal. In other words, the Pasuk is trying to tell us how terrible and devastating this famine was. And this is really something that's prophesied in the Torah. The Torah in Parshas Kisovei, 
you know, we have those two, two, those two terrible sections of the Torah, of the Teichach, of the curses. And the Parshas Kisava, he talks about that when people will be Eved Avizara and go from the ways of Hashem, that it will get so bad that the famine will be so bad that people will kill their own children. And this is exactly what happens in this story. When the king hears this, he's beside himself, he, he rents his garments. And he says, you know, there's one person who can help us. And he's not helping us, and that's Elisha. He says, Elisha is a man of God. And he's allowing this famine to happen, this terrible famine and people being killed for, for, uh, for food purposes. And the king says, I swear I'm going to have Elisha put to death. Yoram, the son of Achav, says that. And he sends, he sends uh, some shluchim, he sends some uh, emissaries. He says, go find Elisha and, and, and we're going we're gonna to put him to death because he's not helping the Jewish people. And these emissaries leave Yehoram and they head towards Elisha. The Pasuk says in Lamed Beis, Elisha Yoshev Bebeis, Elisha sitting in his home. The elders are sitting around him and he's teaching them Torah. And Elisha, who has this uh, total nevuah, tells the people, you're going to hear soon that soldiers are going to come banging on our doors. Don't let them in. Lock the doors, don't let the soldiers in. And very shortly thereafter, their king is going to follow. I'll deal with the king. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Um, Elisha is still talking to his disciples and the messenger comes from the king and um, and uh, they lock the door, exactly as Elisha said, they lock the door and very shortly after, the king himself follows. And the king Yehoram arrives at the door of Elisha. And and the Medrash says a whole story that the king comes and he wants to kill Elisha. Malach comes between them and, and between the, the, the Navi and, and the king. And the Malach and the king starts trembling, is afraid. And ultimately the Malach says, he says, you want to kill Elisha? Elisha is not the cause for the plague. He's not the cause for the famine. You're the cause for the famine. It's because of you and going in the ways of Achav and the ways of Avedazara. That's what's causing the famine. What can I do? He says, this comes from Hashem. What, what can I do, says Elisha? What's a, what can I do, says the king. So what can I do now? So that's how Perik Vav closes out. Perik Zion begins by Yerimer Elisha. Elisha says, he realizes that this is a moment, a moment that the Yisrael has come to their lowest point in this famine. And he says, Shimu Dvar Hashem. Everyone listen to the word of Hashem. Koy Amar Hashem, so Hashem said. He says, at this time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, an entire bushel of grain you'll be able to get for one shekel. And two bushels of oats, you'll get a shekel in this, in this city. So he's saying, in 24 hours, there's going to be the ultimate drastic turnaround. That's what Elisha says. Here we just learned that you couldn't even get a head of a donkey to eat for 80 uh, silver pieces. And Elisha says that the Xera now is going to be averted for now. And, a, um, and he says, everything is going to change. In 24 hours, you'll see that for one shekel, you're going to be able to get an entire bushel of grains. So Yehoram is stunned by this. He doesn't say anything. But Yehoram had his attendant. And the attendant laughs. He says, he says if Hashem would, were to open windows in the sky and it would start raining grain, we still wouldn't reach that level. That in one day suddenly there's going to be so much grain that it's going to be one, one, uh, you know, one sella, one, one silver piece for a, for a, um, uh, for, for one shekel, you get a bushel of grain. It can't be. 
And Elisha turns to this attendant and he says, it will be. But because you mock the word of Hashem, so you're not going to benefit from it. You'll, you'll see that the word of Hashem is going to be fulfilled, but you're not going to benefit from it. That's what he says. Okay, but how is this going to happen? And here we have one of the, again, one of the famous miracles that happens at the time. And it's actually Haftarah. Last week we read a Haftarah. This week also, this is Haftarah of one of the Parshias. And it says, the Haftarah, and this is where the Haftarah really starts. It says that there's four people at this time who were Mitzorahim. They had Saras. And at this time, there was still the concept of Saras. Today we don't have Saras as a... Uh, at least not the Tzarasa that the Torah talks about. But when there was Tzarasa, the Allah was that a Mitzorah had to, had to remain in solitude outside of the encampment. He couldn't be amongst the Jewish people. And here we have Arba Mitzoraim, Arba Anoshim for Menhoi Mitzoraim, Pesach Hashar, so they were removed from the people. They were outside of the, of the city of the Jewish people. The Apostle doesn't say who these Mitzoraim were, but the Gemara tells us. And that was Gechazi and his sons. You'll remember, Gechazi was Elisha's attendant. And I think it was last week that we learned, or at least last week, two weeks ago, that um, there's a whole story where Elisha was able to miraculously heal Naaman from Tsaras. But then Gechazi is the one who went and he, he took uh, payment for it and lied. And Elisha said that Tsaras of Naaman will go to you and your family. So here when the Pasuk says that there's four Mitzurahim sitting outside of the city, this is Gechazi and his sons. So these four Mitzurahim were sitting outside and they said, listen, we're, we're going to die. It was, it's a famine. They didn't have anything to eat. They said, we're going to die either way. Let's go and see what's going on in the camp of Aram. Remember, Aram is the one who had laid the siege to Shomron. The Shomron is the Jewish people, the ten tribes are. And the king of Aram was the one who had laid the siege that created this famine. So these, um, these Mitzrayim say, listen, we're, we're dying. We're dying anyway. Let's go and see. Maybe we'll find some food somewhere in the na- by the people of Aram. And that's what they did. Vayakumu Baneshef, they went in the evening and they come to Machne Aram, they come to the encampment of Aram. They come to the corner of the encampment and there's no one there. They see no one, no people whatsoever. What happened? So here the Torah tells us, the Pasuk tells us, a tremendous miracle happened. That that evening, the people of Aram heard tremendous noises. Tremendous noises. It sounded like an entire army was coming at them, attacking them. It was in their imagination. But they heard these tremendous, tremendous noises. And they said to themselves, the Jewish people must have hired armies to come and attack us. After all, we, we're, we're, we laid a siege around their, their cities. And they're, they're in a famine. We know they're in a famine. And now we heard these tremendous sounds of, 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 of cavalry and horses and things and screaming. There must be a major army heading our way. And the Jewish people must have hired all the kings of the Chitim, all the countries. And everyone's out to get us now. And they were so paranoid. They were so afraid. They all got up and they escaped. Now, the Jewish people didn't know about this. The Jewish people were in their city in the, dying from famine. But meanwhile, their enemies had just totally escaped. These four Mitzoraim come to the city of Aram, or the encampment of Aram, and they see it's empty. Empty of people. But there's, the houses are full, there's full of food, and there's animals. Everything is there. It's as if it's a, it's a ghost town. All the humans disappeared. And they realized that. So they came into the first home in the corner of the encampment, and the first thing they did was they ate. It was full of food. They, they ate, and they drank, and then they saw there was gold and silver and clothing, so they took it, and they left. And then they came back, and they said, let's try the second house. And they did the same thing in the second house. 
At this point, they turned to each other and they said, we can't do this. The Jewish people have been saved. Somehow, we don't understand why. The fact is, the enemies have disappeared. It's incumbent upon us to go tell the Melech, go tell the king of the Jewish people that Aram has left. And that's what they did. They came to the city and they called out to the gates of the, uh, the uh, guards by the gates of the city and they said, we have to come to the king. We have a special message for the king, Yehoram. And they tell him exactly what happened. They said, we came to the Machna Aram, we came to the encampment of Aram, and there's no one there. The, the, the horses are tied up there, the donkeys are tied up there, the, the tents are filled with everything, but there's no one there, there's no humans there. So this message was given over to the king. The king didn't believe it. He said, it makes no sense. And he said, this must be a trick, this must be a ruse, that Aram did this, they hid, and they want us to come inside, they know we're dying from hunger, that we should come to eat and they're going to attack us. So one of the servants of the king said, listen, let, let's send a few servants, a few soldiers and see what happens. Listen, at the end, we're dying anyway. So let's send and see what happens. And that's what they did. So they take, they take um, a couple of soldiers, like two chariots, and they send some soldiers. And they had following from behind other soldiers. And they saw that, that this is the truth. They saw that as they were coming closer to the encampment, that there's all types of clothing and things on, this, on the road because they were in such a haste to leave, they were running away from this imaginary army, that they were just dropping things all over the place. And they see that, that they had just disappeared in this tremendous haste. And they come back to the king and they say, it's true. And exactly what happens is the entire Jewish people um, just, they just fall on this encampment and they're able to find there's so much food there and there's so much everything there. And of course, the words of Elisha were fulfilled exactly. That in one blink of an eye, everything switched from a, from a state of total famine. Again, the famine was just because they were surrounded at this point by, um, by Aram, who laid siege to the city. But at this point, everything changed, and there was a tremendous amount of food, and food was, was, was worthless. And that attendant of the king, the king says, you know what, you, you know, be there by the gates to, to uh, make some law and order when people are falling on the tents and everything for the food. And what happens is that all the people come running and this person is killed in this stampede. Just as the Navi Elisha said, because he mocked the word of Hashem. And he said, how could Hashem do this? Even if Hashem would open up windows in the sky, there can't be this, uh, this tremendous change. But ultimately, this person, Takis, saw the miracle and he saw that all the food was there for Klal Yisrael, but he died. He died as, as he was there. And that's how, that's how Perik Zion finishes with another tremendous nace that happened during the Navi or through the Navi of uh, Elisha. Okay, I'm sorry. Can I ask a quick question? Yes. So, just going back, so the king of Aram was planning a trap to get um, the king of Israel. That's, early, that's earlier. That was earlier, right? right. And then, um, but then he found out that Elisha was behind it, and mm -hmm. Elisha prayed to Hashem. He opened his eyes, and all the students, there's a, he saw the vision, and the soldiers were, that were greater than the king of Ramah. And then the enemies became blinded, and then they became healed, and then they were fed, and then they went home and told the miracle they witnessed. Right. What happened? In all of that. Week? All of that happened last week. Right, and then all of a sudden we go to there's a famine? No, then this Melech of Aram later, it doesn't say if it was a month or a year or whatever, now takes his armies and surrounds the Jewish people, which creates the famine. But he just saw like all this great miracle happen. 
Oh, okay, so he never heard of that. <laughs> you try, try, try again. You know, Pari, the king of Mitzrayim, also saw all the miracles. Seven days later, he tried again. Okay, um, he was sort of affected for the good. Um, it doesn't say... The well, it says that at that point, he called his people off, right? But then, at some point later, he, he began this battle again. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, we have to remember, and I, I, I go back to that, the Jewish people at this time are not a worthy people. And a lot of bad things are happening, and Elisha keeps on doing these nisim, but ultimately they're not the Jewish people, and therefore not their enemies are ultimately learning the lesson. Right? Okay. Parakhas chapter 8. Um, one of the great miracles of Elisha, as we recall, what, or perhaps the greatest of the miracles, the most famous of the miracles, was when he revived the dead. And that was the Isha Hashunamish. Remember, there was the woman from the city of Shunem, and she had provided, she had been a great host for Elisha, and ultimately, um, Elisha blessed her with a son, who she had that son. Um, that son, we will recall, is later going to be the Navi Chavakuk, and he's the one who died, and Elisha revived him. And this we learned again a couple of prokim ago. Um, as a famine now is settling on the land, Again, we had this incident of the famine and then the food, the plenty of food, but ultimately the land is going to go into a state of famine. And Elisha tells this woman, he says she should go out of town. She should go to live somewhere else because this place is not going to be sustainable. And she goes there. She goes, it says, for seven years. For seven years of famine, she leaves town. But then she came back at the end of seven years. And she sees that her home and everything was taken by people who, while she wasn't there, her, her home and her fields, everything was taken. So she comes before the king. And again, the king is Yehoram, son of Achav. And she tells him, I need my home, I need my field. And the king is talking to Gehazi, because Gehazi at this point had left Elisha's graces totally. Um, Gehazi had, had sunk very, to very negative places. And he now is an attendant of this king Yehoram. And, but Gehazi would tell the king the miracles of Elisha, because he was there firsthand. He was Elisha's attendants, so that made for very good stories. And he, told Elisha, and he was telling her about this, this woman and this child, that Elisha blessed her with a child, and then, then the child died, and Elisha revived the child. Oh, and then this woman comes and she's complaining. She says, I lost my house. Gehazi says, that's the woman. She's the one who Elisha blessed with the son and then, and then revived that son. And the king talked to the woman about it. She told him the story. And the king said that everything should be given back to her. So that it's not clear why the, the apostle tells us this, this, this interesting story that this woman came back and she got her properties from the king. But it seems it's trying to tell us that this Melech was very well aware of the Nisim of Elisha. All the various Nisim. Some of them happened to them personally. Some he heard from others. And yet, and yet he stayed, he stayed the way he was. Okay. Pasek Zayim. Elisha travels, and we saw that a number of times, Elisha is constantly traveling from place to place. At this point, he comes to Damasek. Um, the Mepharsh will talk about why he went to Damasek, and one of the interesting explanations that's given, uh, Rashi says, that he was searching for his Talmud Gehazi, he wanted to bring him to do tshuva. If, you, if you'll recall, Elisha was very harsh with Gehazi. We see even Chazal criticized Elisha, that he should have been a little softer. And at this point, Elisha is, is traveling after Gehazi to try to get him to do tshuva. Um, be that as it may, he comes there, and the king Hadad, the son of Aram, is sick. Uh, the, king, the king of Aram now is sick. 
and he hears that Elisha is in town, and he also knows that Elisha is a miracle worker, Elisha is a, Elisha, everyone knows Elisha is the ultimate miracle worker, the, the, ultimate, the ultimate man of God. So Hadad sends his son, his son Chazoel, to go to Elisha and ask him, what's going to be with my father, the king? Is he going to recover or is he not? Okay. I have to remind you now of something that we learned a good while back. And that is in the first book of Malachim, chapter 19. Okay? Chapter 19 was after the story of Eliyahu Hanavi and Harakarma. Right? We had Eliyahu, that, that great sh- showdown, if you will. Eliyahu and all the Nevi, Habal, all the prophets. And Eliyahu ultimately proved the one, the truth of Hashem. And they put to death all the prophets of the Baal at that time. Right? Izevel, the wife of Achav, then threatened Elio. She said she's putting Elio to death. And Elio ran away. And the whole story, Elio ran away. He ran for 40 days without food. Ultimately, Elio had a nevuah. And that's a nevuah that hasn't yet come to fruition until now. That is that Hashem told Eliyahu then that he says, you're going to anoint Elisha as the next Novi. You're going to anoint Chazael as a king of Aram. You're going to anoint Yehu as a king of the ten tribes. And, and these people are going to take my revenge for all the Zara, all the idolatrous kings and queens and their, their followers of the ten tribes. And then there was, a, Hashem said, only 7,000 Jews are going to remain. The 7,000 that never bowed to Baal. Right? Again, this is I had to go back and look it up myself. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a while since we learned this. But there, there was a nevuah that was given to Leo Anavi that for the future, and again, three people were named that they were going to be the ones that were, were going to bring Hashem's vengeance um, for all the Avidizara and Achav and his family and so on and so forth. Elisha, the Navi, Chazael as the king of Aram, and Yehu as the king of the ten tribes. Now is when we're going to meet some of those people. Elisha, we met right away, right? Elisha, right away, Elio met him and, and, and brought him close to him. And Elisha became Elio's disciple and ultimately successor. But the others, Chazael and Yehu, we're going to meet now. Chazael, now Yehu, we'll see if we meet him tonight or next week, right? Anyway, Chazael is the son of Hadad? Yes, yes. Chazael is the son of Hadad, the king of Aram, who's an enemy surrounding the or, or, or next to the Jewish people who's been fighting the Jewish people on and off. Okay? Was Eliyahu anoint him or Elisha? No, so it's interesting. In the Pasuk, it makes it sound like Hashem is telling Eliyahu, you'll anoint him. Ultimately, Eliyahu was one who anointed Elisha and it was through Elisha that the others were anointed. And that's one of those places where the Torah says something will happen through you, but ultimately it happens through his Hemshech, through his continuation, through his disciple Elisha. Okay? So part of that... Also- Sure. Also, how do you how do you spell the new king Yehu? Yud Yudhevav, I think Aleph. We're gonna see. Okay. We're, we're not meeting him quite yet. We're, again, whether we get him tonight or not depends. We we got a late start tonight, but but um, we'll definitely talk about Chazoel right now. So, Elisha comes to town to Damascus. In Damascus, he's it's near where the king of Aram Hadad is lying sick. Hadad knows Elisha is in town. Elisha is the man of God, the prophet. Hadad sends his son Chazael 
to go ask Elisha what's going to be with, with, with Hadad. Is he going to live or is he not? If you remember, in the times of Nevi'im, this was regular. The, you knew the Navi knew the future, and if you wanted to know the future, you asked the Navi. That's just the way it was. So, so Vayishlach, um, where am I holding? I lost my place. Where are we holding? Um, um, Perek. Elisha was traveling to Damascus to look for Gehazi, and Ben Hadad became. Right, 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 right. Son hears that Elisha is in town. Right, right, right. I was just looking for the chapter. So we're holding it in Perek Ches Pasuk Hey. Right. I'm sorry. Perek Ches Pasuk Ches. So the king tells Chazoel, it doesn't say here that Chazoel is his son, but he is, and all of the Mepharshim say that, we'll see that later as well. He says, take, take in your hand a gift and go to the man of God and ask him, what's going to be with me? So Chazoel comes to Elisha and he brings a gift and he brings all goodness of Damasak, he brings 40 camels worth of, of whatever of goods, and he stands before Elisha and he says, your son, which is a way of saying your disciple or... Uh, the, the Ben Hadad, the king of Aram, sent me to you, and he's asking, Will I live from this sickness? Elisha says, he says, he uses cryptic words, but he says, go tell him. You could tell him he's going to live, but Hashem showed me he's going to die. In other words, he's a sick man, he's on his deathbed, so you don't have to tell him he's dying, tell him he's going to live. But, but Hashem told me, he's dying. That's what Elisha tells Chazer. And then Elisha turns to the wall and he's trying to contain himself. And Chazal is watching, Elisha's trying, but he can't contain himself and he starts crying and he starts sobbing. And Chazal is looking at the Navi and why is he crying so much? Is, is he so sad that my father, the king of Aram, is going to die? I mean, so he asks him. He says, why are you dying? Why is my master crying? And Elisha says, because I see what you're going to do to the Jewish people. You meaning Chazoel. That you're going to kill and you're going to plunder and you're going to burn and you're going to murder men, women, children. And that's why I'm crying. I can't contain myself. I see, I see what you're going to do. And Chazoel says, me? <laughs> what am I? Why, why is, why, what can I do anyway? So Alicia says, no, because you're going to be the next king. And this is what you're going to do. And that's why I'm crying. And that's the truth. That is what he's going to do. That's what's going to happen, as we're going to see in the story. And Chazal doesn't do it because he's a spiritual person. Chazal does it because he's an enemy of the Jewish people. But Elisha sees this, and Elisha starts crying. So Chazal leaves Elisha, and he goes back to his master, his father. And the father says, what did Elisha say? So he said, you'll live. Remember, Elisha said, you could tell him he's going to live. The next day, the next day, it says he took a blanket to cover his father, put it down, and that blanket suffocated him, and uh, Ben-Haddad died. In the Mepharshim, some say he did it on purpose to kill his father. He wanted to be the next king. Some say he did it by accident. In the Pasuk, it doesn't say. It just says the fact. The fact is that one day later, he put a blanket on his father, and his father ultimately died on that, on that next day. So now we have a new king, Chazoil, who's the king of Aram. Again, a fulfillment of the prophecy said to Leo on Navi. Way back, Hashem told Leo that you, and we see now it's through Elisha, will appoint the king Chazoil and Aram, and he's going to be a vehicle, as we're going to see, to ultimately bring about the end to Achav's entire family and that, idol and that, that the terrible idolatry of that time. The Pasuk goes on. He doesn't really appoint him king, he just it prophesizes that he'll be king. 
Right. Okay. Good point. That's a good point. Um, I have to go back to see those psukim exactly what the wording is over there. But he definitely. Um, that's an that's a, that's an interesting oh, yeah. point. point okay, maybe he. Aleph Yutas. It does say a point, but I don't get it. You're right. It says Abasa Umashachta es Melech. I'm looking in Melachim Aleph Yutas Tesvav. It says you will actually anoint him as king. Yeah. Um, hmm, interesting. I see the Mitsudos over there says that this word is the word that's used for making a king by the Jewish people, so they use that term there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, but it, it is definitely a, an interesting point that it's more like Alicia tells him, I see you will be the king. Mm-hmm. We don't see an actual anointing or even making him king, and that's a, it's a very good, po- very good point. Question well taken. If I have an answer, I will share it. Okay, the Pasuk no, now goes and tells us a little bit what's going on on the other side. Um, we've, t- we've seen this many times. We're talking about the ten tribes. Now we're going to give a look what's going on by the two tribes. Um, it's really a back and forth, the whole book of Malachim, the ten tribes and the two tribes. We got stuck with the ten tribes for a while because Eliyohanavi and Elisha are all in the areas of the ten tribes and they're dealing with the king of the ten tribes. And that's why the last number of, ch- of chapters we've been focused on them. But at this point, we're going to take a little sneak um, Look at what's going on with the two tribes. So it says that while in the fifth year or whatever, we're not tracking the years here together in our class, but during the reign of Yoram, son of Achav, who is the king by the Jewish people, by, no, I'm sorry, not the Jewish people, who is the king by the two tribes, by Malchi Yehuda, is Yehoshaphat. You might recall Yehoshaphat is a good king. He's a, just, he's a just king and a Torah king following the footsteps of his father, Asa. So Yehoshaphat is the king of the two tribes. And at this point, Yehoshaphat makes king his son Yehoram. And now it's going to get a little confusing because the kings on both sides are Yehorams now. A Yehoram and a Yoram. <laughs> but it's not going to last for long, not to worry. But it says, it's interesting, here it says that Yehoshaphat sort of instates his son, Yehoram ben Yehoshaphat, because interestingly it was before his death. And that's unusual. Typically, when one king died, the other one took over. Here, Chazal say it was two years before his death. Um, and he has his son become king. The Mepharshim don't say the reason for that change, why he had a son join him. Although some said he was sick, whatever, he needed help. Whatever it was, his son, Yehoram, became king. Um, but here now is where things t- uh, take a really negative turn. Yehoram is going to be a king of the two tribes who's really going to join the king of the ten tribes in their idolatrous ways. Um, and there's a reason for that. Because, guess who this Yehoram's wife is? Yehoram's wife is a daughter of Achav. The king, of the, the, the new king of the two tribes, of Shab of Yehuda, is a son-in-law of Achav of the ten tribes. Achav who's dead already. But Achav of the ten tribes. And this daughter is an idolatrous woman. She, so Yehoram was... Is this that Ahab was married to Jezebel? Or yes, yes. And it's their daughter? Correct, correct. Uh, Ahab and Izebel had many children. Um, oh, I, I, I don't know Ahab and Izebel. Ahab had many wives. One of them was Izebel. And Ahab had many children. So one of the daughters of Ahab, um, they made, he made a shidduch with Yehoram, son of Yehoshaphat. So Yehoshaphat is a tzaddik. Yehoram's son initially, according to Chazal, was fine, but once he married into Achav's family, it was downhill. 
So this Yehoram, yeah, it's a big oy, because so far at least the two tribes were usually okay. Now it's going to spread to everyone, as we're going to see. Um, and I, what was her name? Um, was this... I, I want, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if this is Atalia, um, but I'm not remembering if this is Atalia... It could yeah, be. We'll we'll see. No, there's for sure. There's for sure. I tell you at some point in the story. I'm not sure if that's her. At this point, it doesn't say. At this point, it just says he bas achav hoysa leisha that he took the daughter of achav for a wife. Vayas Hashem. He started doing evil in the eyes of Hashem as well. However, pasuk yutas Hashem held his anger at the two tribes for the sake of David Hamelach. Right, the two tribes are always in a more favored place. Um, of course, the two tribes are the children of David HaMelech, and David has this tremendous zechus, and therefore Hashem held back his anger at this point from, from Yehoram. Yehoram, son of Yehoshaphat, is the king now of the two tribes. However, things start going downhill in the two tribes as well, as the Pasuk says in Pasuk Chaf, that in those days, Edom started becoming a significant kingdom. For many, many years, they were subservient to the Jewish people. Now Edom rebels and becomes their own little thing. Um, in Pasuk Chavbez, we, were, we read that there was a city called Livna of Jewish people, that they also rebelled and sort of moved off on their own because, again, things are breaking down in the side of the two tribes as well. But we don't spend a long time with Yoram, as the Pasuk says in Chav Gimel, Chav Dalet, that the, the stories of Yoram are written up in the history of the times. Yoram died. He wasn't a king for a long time. He died and is buried in the, city, in the cities of the kings of his fathers. And the one who takes over after him is his son, Ahaziyahu. But Ahaziyahu was not a tzaddik either. So Ahaziyahu, who's now the king of the two tribes, is going in the way of his father's Yehoram, um, and both of them were idolatrous people. And so when, when Peret, what we're holding right now, the king of the two tribes is Ahaziah, Ovid Avodazara. The king of the ten tribes is still Yoram, son of Ahav. And these people are actually related, right? Because Ahaziah's mother is a daughter of Ahav, right? So the, the two kings of the two groups of the Jewish people are both really now related to Ahav, come from Ahav, and are both idolatrous. So the Pasuk says that at this point Ahaziah becomes king. He's 22 years old when he becomes king. Uh, oh, I, I was right. And here it says, and his mother's name is Ataliyahu. That's Atalio. She was the queen. Um, Atalio is the wife of Yehoram, the son of Yehoshaphat. I, I know there's a lot of names here. Yehoshaphat is the good king of the Jewish people. He has a son, Yehoram. Yehoram marries Ataliyahu, daughter of Achav. Now Yehoram's dead already, and, and you have Ataliyahu's and Yehoram's son, Ahaziyahu, who's the new king of the two tribes. But he too goes in the ways of his mother and the ways of Beis Achav, Vayas HaRab Eni Hashem, Ki Achav, like the house of Achav, Ki Hassan Beis Achav, who he's ultimately a son-in-law, he ultimately comes from the home of Achav. So at this point, Yehoram, the son of Achav, so now we have, again, it's important to understand, I hope I'm being clear, that the two kings are really on one team now. The two kings are family. They're both idolatrous. They're leading the two factions of the Jewish people, the factions of Yehuda and Benjamin and the faction of the Ten Tribes. The two factions are being led by Yehoram, no, I'm sorry, Ahaziah, Ahaziah, son of Yehoram and Atalia, on the two tribes, and Yehoram, son of Achav, on the Ten Tribes. 
At this point, a battle ensues. And Yoram, the son of Achav, goes out to war against Chazael, the king of Aram. Right? I hope we have all our names here straight. Chazael is leading Aram now because remember, his father Hadad died. Chazael is the new king of the Aram people. And Yehoram, son of Achav, goes out to battle against Chazael of Aram. But he's wounded in battle. Yehoram, son of Achav, is wounded in battle. He comes back to a place called Yisrael. And that's where he's, uh, what's the word? After he's wounded, that's where he's trying to uh, convalesce or whatever it is. And Ahaziahu, from the, from the king of, of the two tribes, comes to visit. So now you have, in, in this place, Yisrael, you have the two kings of the Jewish people. You have um, Ahaziahu of the two tribes, Yehoram, son of Ahav, of the ten tribes, and they're both together. Um, Ach, uh, Yoram, son of Ahav, is wounded from battle, and Ahaziahu came to visit him. And they're both there at the same time in Yisrael. And that's how Perichas finishes. Perichas begins, now is when, I don't know how to say this, the action starts, a lot of very negative action. Because both of them are not going to be killed over there. The two kings of the Jewish people. Through Elisha and Yehu, and now is where Hashem's vengeance for all the Avedizorah starts coming to play in the next chapters, which are going to be difficult chapters to read. But we're going to have all the, all the negative prophecies of Eliyahu and Avi about Achav and Beis Achav is all going to come to play now when the two kings are the two descendants of Achav and leading Klal Yisrael in a very terrible way. And that we're going to get to Amir Hashem next week. Wait, when were these negative prophecies spoken? Eliyahu Novi. Eliyahu said terrible tra- uh, prophecies against Achav, um, especially after Achav killed uh, Novos and he took his property. Um, Achav, tried to, uh, Achav and Izevel killed all the Nevi'im. So we read about them earlier in Malachim Aleph, I think it was Perichav Beis, where Eliyahu said, very terrible, what's going to happen to Achav and Beis Achav and to Izevel? And all of that is at the brink of happening now when everyone now is part of Acha's family as far as the kings of the Jewish people. And that's where, again, where, where Perak Test is going to begin.